What's going on, everybody? Welcome to ATL Sports HQ live show, uh, show for the fans, by the fans. Uh, this will be episode 20, and we got a few special guests today. Uh, so go ahead and introduce yourself, Brett. I'm Brett Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Brett underscore A27. Hey, what's going on? Uh, Clark Morrison. Follow me at, at ATL Crap Sandwich on Twitter. And uh, it's good to be here, guys. Appreciate it. Go ahead and give those guys a follow. Um, I'm Derek Clemens. You can follow me on Twitter at Derek Clemens. Also, make sure to follow the site at ATL Sports HQ on Twitter. And you can also find us on Facebook, too. And make sure to check out the site at atlsportshq.com. And if you're interested in writing, we always are looking for new people to help the site grow uh, bigger. Uh, make sure to message uh, Phil at ATL Phil. And first, we're going to get uh, started off with the Atlanta Hawks. The Hawks went 2-1 uh, and one over the past week. They lost to the Nets in a close battle, and then they knocked off the Pelicans, and they beat the Grizzlies last night. John Collins had one of his best games this in his career statistically against the Nets with 33 points and 20 rebounds. And then Trey Young also recorded a triple-double, his first triple-double of the career uh, at the Nets. Uh, have Collins and Young solidified themselves as one of the best young duos in the league already, Brett? Uh, get they're getting there. I wouldn't say one of the best young duos, duos in the league yet, but um, they're on the fastest rising for sure. And Kevin Herter trying to make that turn to a trio because he's been on fire the past few games as well. I wouldn't call him the best young duo yet, but definitely the fastest rising for sure. Well, I'd say uh, they're making they're making a, they're making their case for being uh one of the best young duos in the league. Uh, over the last 10 games, both of them are averaging uh, John Collins and Trey Young, respectively. John Collins, 24.9 points per game and 12.1 rebounds per game, while Trey Young's 25.3 uh, points per game and 8.8 .8 assists per game. Um, and when you see those guys <laughs> on, I mean, they're so connected that when Trey Young throws up the alley-oop for John Collins, he's jumping when John jumps. You know, it's like it's one of those things. It's it's almost, you know, that you talk about general uh, generational style players. And uh, it seems like that's something that we're getting to witness here in Atlanta. And, and um, they're 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 bringing us really close um, in the league to uh, to being playoff ready. Well above what we all kind of anticipated in this rebuild. I mean, yeah, I mean, I totally agree myself. I mean, we've seen a lot of growth throughout the season, and, I mean, they continue to get better, and their chemistry continues to grow. Um, and, I mean, there's no rookie slump. I mean, you know, a lot of guys, they usually get tired at this time of year and fall off. But, I mean, Trey Young has been at the best maybe even all season. And then John Collins, there's no sophomore slump for him. And, I mean, he's been playing his best basketball. So it's a, it's a thing that continues to grow, but another thing that has stood out to me, um, Trey Young has found a lot of ways recently, even when he's having a bad shooting night, to still put up numbers, I mean, get to the free throw line and stuff. Uh, do you guys think that we have found our franchise player? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Definitely one of our – because he impacts the game in so many different ways offensively. He's still working progress defensively, but – a guy that can make passes like he can, I mean, is a great guy to build around. He makes everybody on the floor better. You're seeing, like we said, John Collins is shooting with like 37% from three-point this year. And Allison's having a career year after being – having a so-so career and so far in Phoenix before he came here. So I absolutely think he's a career cornerstone player that we can have. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Uh, the thing that's impressed me the most with Trey 
Um, we knew he was a good passer, right? He was always a good passer at Oklahoma. He, he gets people involved on the floor, and he's not a selfish guy. And uh, that's what you need when you start a rebuild. But uh, the thing that's impressed me the most about Trey is something that I had question marks with coming out of the draft. And, you know, that's with his size and stature. You know, in college, one or two teams in the Big 12 or whatever he was facing on a regular basis, you know, have guys that are the size of trees. In the NBA, it's every single one of them, and all of them can shoot the three ball. And for Trey, what I've seen recently, at least over the last, I'd say after the All-Star break, really, he started to find his way in the NBA and get a little more comfortable. He's been creating space for himself on the floor so well over the last 10 games that, like you said, Brett, uh, even in a struggle, you know, or, or I'm sorry, Derek, uh, even in a struggling game, like it, the first half he struggles, and then all of a sudden he still puts up, you know, 15 to 20 points. And that that is what you have to be able to do is fight through the adversity the double teams from um, the Chicago Bulls, you know, they put good defense on him, but what did he do? He he dished the rock, and John Collins made him pay. And I, I think they could have taken both of those games. The one they had in the overtime, I mean, I'm trying not to be a fanboy here, but it's hard not to be. I mean, it's exciting. It's fun to watch. So, Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, going off that, you talk about him moving the ball, and I think the main thing that does make him into this franchise player that we have been looking for, I mean, is confidence but then it's not crowded by selfishness on the court. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, he just, he continues to get other guys open and to make, make sure that they're still in the game, even when his shots falling. And, you know, he, t he takes some ill-advised shots. And I mean, that's going to happen because of the confidence he has in a shot. I mean, he thinks he can make any shot as soon as he passes half court, but I mean, that's still a growing process and he continues to get better. And then, I mean, as long as we can continue to put talent around him, I mean, he's always going to make those guys better and put them in situations to score off of his offense. And I, and I trust I trust the front office and Travis Slink and, and this uh, new regime to do that. I, I feel like really and truly um, it was probably a hard breakaway to go away from Bud because I did like Bud too. He had good things, but for him to be the GM and the coach at the same time, you can't wear that many hats these days. And um, – you know, it took me a while, but I feel like I, I trust Schlink as a talent evaluator, and I think he knows what he what he needs to get done with this team to make them successful. And, and like I said, you know, what we're witnessing right now makes it feel like we're a year ahead at least. And if this lottery thing plays out, I mean, granted, this is a team in Atlanta, so let's not forget we're about to get screwed. But, you know, we can dream, right? Like if this lottery thing plays out, we might be all right, man, at least a year ahead at least. I mean, yeah, I definitely think where you're at. I did not see us playing as well. I mean, especially this stretch that we're having. I think we're like over the past uh, few games, we're like 18 and 22, I think is the record. So, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's just – I wouldn't think that would happen. I thought we would have an even worse year than last year just because of people trying to find their roles and stuff. But, I mean, it's just been great to watch. It's been a fun season even with the losses. And, I mean – they're coming up with some big-time wins. I mean, that game against the Pelicans was a good game, and, I mean, they uh, battled in the fourth quarter and pulled away with it. And, I mean, they couldn't come out with the Nets win, but they were literally a shot away. Uh, they missed John Collins. He was wide open under the basket to tie <laughs> yeah. the game, send it over. I saw that. And he, he, I, but you know what? Vince had a shot, too. There's yeah. a guy in front of him, and he could have made that shot, and he knows he could have made that shot. But it's funny, and, Brett, I'll get right back to you in just a second. It's funny that you mentioned the 18-22 and 22 down the stretch because I think it's really important. Um, cause they only won six games before the all-star break. And we thought, okay, well, you know, we are trying to get some draft status here. Um, but down the stretch, you know, like you said, 18 and 22, I did some research, uh, earlier this afternoon. And if you go back and look at the, those, um, 22 losses, 
at, at least 11 of them, half of them are actually, I think it was 13 of them. They lost by less than 10 points. They, they were losing by less than 10 points going into the fourth quarter. So to me, that's a winnable game. If you win 50% of those games, the Hawks are one game above 500 and in the playoffs above the Nets. That's huge. I mean, you can't even – how do you even think that was going to happen with the first half of the game? So, you know, kudos to them for not giving up and, and not letting it go, even though we kind of need them to step off the pedal a little <laughs> bit because, yeah, we need, we need some growth here from the draft. It kind of goes back to the veteran leadership too from Vince Carter and I Ken love Bazemore. him on this team. Oh yeah, I love him on this team. Dude. He's turned into a really good shooter as well. I mean, he's, I mean, he's every time he shoots the ball, I feel like it's going in. I just did y'all see? Was, did y'all see Dominique last night interrupt the um, interrupt the post game interview to tell John Con Collins what was that? What are you doing? <laughs> oh yeah, like he was yeah. he was a fanboy. I love that because because mm -hmm. Neek's not like that, and it's just yeah. I've, it's I've one never of those seen emotion like I've that. Never seen no. that from him, dude. Either, I've bro. seen uh -uh. hundreds of Hawks games. Kyle Korver, he's like that one time in what 2016. He was a freak of over a mm -hmm. period of the month of February over 16 games. They won like 15 out of 16, and he was 30 a night or something. Neek was that nah, well, you know not batting an eyelash. John Collins going up like a Tuskegee Airman dropping bombs. I mean, it's fun to watch, man. It is. I, it just, I, uh, I almost got in trouble for waking my kid up the other night. <laughs> it just uh, it just shows the impact that those two guys, and I mean, they're getting a, a city together, and I mean, fans are coming out, and it's going to continue to grow. And, I mean, it's going to help in uh, free agency. They don't look past this, I'm telling you. teams, uh, Players are going to look here, and they're going to get some meetings and mm -hmm. see what they can do. I mean, we have the money. And I mean, the situation is a bad. So I, I, again, I, that just takes me back to I trust Slink to make the right yeah. deal too. You know, yeah, definitely. But we're gonna move more to a kind of negative uh, standpoint. Uh, the Mavericks have started to go downhill the past few games, and Luka Doncic has battled a few injuries, and they've lost some games. And I mean, it wouldn't be surprised if he gets shut down soon. Uh, do you guys think that the Hawks are in jeopardy of losing losing the Mavs pick this next season? Uh, I mean, I mean, I guess you can worry about it, sure. But I think I know that what they're six, six worst record now. So I mean, it is getting a little bit worrisome. But I just don't see. I really believe we're actually end up getting both picks. We get we should worry, but I think what we still have close to six percent chance to keep the pick, even if they, they do finish at the sixth spot. So I'm not. I mean, I'm sure more worried than I was before the All Star break and a couple months ago, but. I, but I'm not overly worried, no, but to me, it's like, why though? Like, why worry about it? What can we do? We can't do anything about that. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Mavericks are going to do what the Mavericks are going to do and what they think is best for their franchise and ownership or whoever's in charge of things over there. And, you know, they're going to, they're going to limp Doncic along because that the knee issue or whatever that is. And I would too, from a, you know, organizational standpoint, I would limp him along too. I mean, if that was Trey, you know, we'd be like, ah, you know, put the brakes on. This is sure. just, one season in a in a Hall of Fame potentially career, and and the other thing for me is you know if I want to look at the positive for the Hawks on that it's like okay the Mavericks are going downhill Doncic is showing that he can't take a full season worth of this torture as a rookie as a young rookie um, are we talking about Trey Young as a rookie of the year I mean like what's going on with that you know what I mean flip the script a little bit because that dude is playing out of his mind right now and you know Derek like you said before. Even in a night where you don't think he's going to get eight points, he hits his first three after the halftime and, and still ends up with fifteen to eighteen points. is 
it's a testament to his work ethic really and truly. And I don't know how he's not exhausted at this point. And I you mean, know, um, his most impressive play has been in the fourth quarter. I mean, that's what I mean, just, I agree with you. He just turns it on right there. As soon as the could fourth, you imagine, no matter if, how nice could you imagine how many wins they'd have this season if they had a, a center that didn't have hands like frying pans? <laughs> I would agree. Good Lord. Alex Lynn <laughs> lumbers around the court like a giraffe. It's the most absurd thing in the world to see. He looks so <laughs> uncomfortable. I haven't Thanks. seen that since uh, – who was that big Chinese guy that used to play for uh, the Rockets? Yao. Oh, Yao Ming. Yao Ming. I haven't seen that since Yao Ming, okay? <laughs> Golly, it's 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 hard. It's hard to watch. Sure, I mean, it's if a, we had a center, uh, I think Trey Young could be uh, almost pushing 10 assists a game. because I mean, You could have somebody that can drive minutes. the paint and make you have to defend the paint. We don't have anybody that's making them have to defend paint. And we have perimeter shooters. It's harder for Trey to get himself open. He has to do more work to get himself open. Or they have to pass more. And that extra pass to Lynn is going to ruin you every time. <laughs> what was you going to say, Brett? Oh, but he'll say he still put up good numbers. But, he, like he said, he had a couple 20-point games over the last week. But, like you said, he can't catch. It's so inconsistent. He's so bad. He's so inconsistent. That's a testament to Trey Young, though. He does still get him involved. It's like, Brett, you mentioned earlier. You know, the way he distributes the ball on the floor and, and he's selfless, yet he's a superstar, that's exactly what you want to see. And it's exciting, I mean, on a whole a whole bunch of different levels. So sorry to to take that off the rails from the Mavericks and, and the draft pick because that is important for us, you know, to try to get that. If we can get two, you're talking about four out of five players on the floor, 25-plus minutes a night, and and as above what we thought this team's played already, that's pretty important. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't. It's nothing to panic about, about a, uh, by a fan, because I mean, if even if we say we don't get it this year, then there's always next season. I mean, we're going to end up getting that pick, and it's going to come in to help us. So there's no reason to panic off of that. But yeah, Brett, going off of what you said about Alex Lynn, I mean, he's he's shown some growth. I mean, he was terrible on the Suns, but I mean, I think that just like you said, Clark. I mean, Trey Young, his the way that he distributes the ball and makes his players better. But uh, let's get some more to some national NBA news. Uh, let's talk about the L.A. Lakers. They uh, seem to call it quits. Got a few guys sitting now. LeBron, uh, limited minutes. They're obviously most likely going to miss the playoffs. I don't know what the percentage is right now, but they're definitely going to miss it. I think this is the first time LeBron's missed in uh, 13 years, maybe. That might this be wrong. This is his rookie year, I think. Yeah. That makes me laugh. Um, what do what do you guys think this means for the playoffs? Uh, will it be better or worse without LeBron James? Uh, I mean, I think well, ratings wise for the ESPN and ABC and all of them, it'll be worse than TNT. But um, from a fan's perspective, it's going to be kind of refreshing because we're not going to see all LeBron hype like nine in a row going to the finals again. I get so annoying. Great but, take, um, man. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's going to be different, but. Again, different good. See, yeah. 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 Different good. And see someone new. You know, he's in he's in the West Hustle. We'll get someone new out the East anyways. But just seeing what the what the Bucks they've been building for that they've been building for this moment. The Raptors, they got Kawhi for this moment. So see how they can do against the probably the Warriors in the finals again. You know, I read earlier today, and this is kind of on topic because it's about LeBron, but a little bit off. Um, and I'll get to the playoffs in a second, that uh um Somebody close to uh, GM asked, and you know you can't ever tell them who the GM is because they don't like to have their names out there, even though they say outlandish stuff all the time. Uh, he said, "Yeah, maybe uh, one top five protected for LeBron James. That's it." And I thought, 
holy crap, man. Really? Just one top five protected? That's all you give for LeBron? Like, last year, at this time last year, you'd have given the farm for the guy. And that's exactly what you felt like L.A. was going to do if they had to, even though they didn't have to. You know, LeBron was going to be a free agent or whatever. But it's just crazy to me what a season looks like. And, you know, everybody just thinks he's this god that could transform any four players on the floor to a contender. Because, you know, I mean, the odds are in his favor. He is really good. If you get some guys that can um, play in his kind of system or whatever, uh, it could work considering how many people in the division make it to the playoffs. All you got to do is get in, and then it's a completely different, you know, ball game or whatever. But, you know, I, I think I agree with Brett. Uh, it's it's refreshing. That's the word I would use if, if it was a one-word answer to see LeBron – not really to see LeBron not in the playoffs, even though that's kind of – refreshing on it in its own because i can't stand cleveland um or miami uh so so it is though it's refreshing to have some some new faces in the game and you know i'm really just tired of hearing about the lakers who cares yeah i think i think brett put it well i mean from a fan's perspective i mean it's great but obviously the ratings are going to be down because even though it might not seem like it but that's what people want to see they want to see him in the playoffs even though it's been the same but um I mean, yeah, I think it's good. I think it's good for the NBA. I mean, to have a different vibe. And I mean, especially for the East. I mean, of course, he's not on that side, but the East. I mean, we're finally going to see someone else in the finals and we're going to see someone else go at the Warriors. And I mean, teams have been building up to face the Warriors. There's actually some really good teams in the mix that do that. The Warriors do not match up well against. And I I think that's important, especially from the East, because, man, you just thought it was just going to be that. Golden State, Golden State, Golden State. Oh, God. Uh, lull me to sleep. I'd rather watch C-SPAN or paint yeah. dry, you know? But, yeah, going off the Warriors, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Warriors. Uh, a couple of days ago, Steve Kerr was caught on camera, and they were saying that people the you know, <laughs> people that read lips, they said that he said – Dude, he definitely said he's oh, tired yeah, of Draymond Green shit, and it wasn't <laughs> even close. Uh, yeah, he said he's tired of Gray, uh, Draymond Green shit after a loss to – who did they lose to? Was that oh. the Clippers? Yeah, no, it was what? like a random team. It was the Clippers was or something. I think or it the was the Suns game. Was it the Suns? I don't oh. know who it was. It was one. It was either was Clippers it? or the Suns. But yeah, he said that. Um, so just a little question: uh, What what do you guys think is happening to the Warriors' chemistry? A lot of got things like this have came up recently. And do you think it will hurt them in the playoffs going forward? No, it ain't gonna hurt them in the playoffs. I mean, they got five of the best players in the world. Or well, we have four, four, four of the best players in the world out there. It depends on how high you are on Demarcus Cousins. Yeah, yeah. So he's been he's been playing that good lately. He said, "Well, he was good last night against the Rockets, but before that." Um, but uh, I don't think it's gonna hurt him too much because I don't know because they're still easily the best team in the NBA with all their talent. So they'll get it. They'll get it right before the playoffs. They always do. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's a big problem actually. Um, when it starts coming from your head coach and especially a guy who's slow key like Steve Kerr, it's a big deal. And this isn't the first time for me that I started noticing it. And I know that it's not the first time that it's been brought up about the situations that Draymond Green puts him in and puts them in. Cause this is like totally opposite of the mindset of a Steve Kerr coach team or what you would think. Draymond is just OFP. He's on his own effing program all the time. He doesn't care about anybody but himself. He's always getting frustrated and all that kind of stuff. And that drives Steve Kerr nuts. In fact, I would point to the what was it like a week and a half before that when Draymond goes down with that knee injury? I guess it was a knee injury or whatever it was, right in front of Steve Kerr. 
Dude did not bat an eyelash, pretended like he wasn't even on the floor, didn't give a shit. I think it's a big deal. And I think you saw that in a guy that you never thought that you would see react the way he did in a post-game interview with Clay Thompson when he started talking about the fans could have stood up, it's our last game in Oracle and all this stuff. You never thought in a million years you would have heard a guy like Clay Thompson call out the fans like that to the point that he's apologized today. Like I think there's a big locker room problem right now with them and that shoot. I'm good with it. Oh, yeah, well I mean, for the East. Go for I'm, it. I'm never complaining about that. I mean, and I mean, there's been some statements uh, that Kevin Durant has said to the media also. And I mean, it just looks kind of shaky, but you know, the one guy that doesn't say anything and just goes about his business, uh, Stephen Curry. And I mean, I think he, him, he'll be able to get those guys together. And I mean, I think they're going to change in the playoffs. Everything yeah. changes. It, everything. I think, they've been trying, you know what? The media has been trying to portray this sort of thing though. Every, Every season that they go to the play, because they need a story about them. Yeah, it's and I, I but this like time it. I do think there's a little bit to it. Like usually it seems a little bit made up, a little bit far fetched. Is there problems? Is KD just really hate Draymond? Like oh my god, you did the same thing with Russell Westbrook and KD, and you know they kind of do not like each other. But whatever. I mean, it is what it is. Um, they'll 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 be fine when it comes game time, and and you know you got to win. You got to win the best. Uh, what four out of seven or whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, I, the media definitely overreacts, and I mean, hey, you gotta have a story, right? <laughs> yeah, and the Warriors, they play too, and I mean, after they win the finals, like the last two years, uh, they always talked about all the adversity that they had to get over and stuff, and the media tried to tear them down, everybody tried to tear them apart, and all that. But I think it's coming to an end, and I think this off season, they might, a uh, couple guys might be gone. Speaking of tearing things down. My bad, Derek. <laughs> Speaking of a couple of guys, I might be gone. I want Clay Thompson in the Hawks. Everybody wants Kevin Durant, but I want Clay Thompson in the Hawks. I thought that would be a good fit for him. Yeah, that's that's definitely top guy on my radar for the Hawks' this free agency. I mean, he would fit in perfectly with them, and it's just a matter of fact, a matter of who, where does he want to go. I mean, people talk about L.A. all the time, but. Don't sleep on the Hawks in the free agency. Mm-hmm. But let's, there's some more drama in the NBA. Uh, I, I guarantee most of y'all have seen this, but uh, Russell Westbrook got into another confrontation with a Jazz fan the other day. Uh, allegedly, allegedly, the fans said a racist thing, such as get on your knees like you used to. And then Russell responded with, I'll F you and your wife up or something along those lines. Uh, do you think Russell... Do you think what the league, how the league find Russell was, uh, is what they should have done, or you think there should have been a more penalty? Uh, I mean, Russell is definitely in the right because you can't just not say something when someone says something like that too. Um, but when you say he was going to f him and his wife wife up, I felt like that kind of set a bad message to the NBA. Because, um, but um, I think the Jazz handled it perfectly though by banning the guy from all. Not even allow him to come in and rent anymore, but it's kind of Russell is definitely on the right. I don't think he really shouldn't have gotten fined, but who knows? Uh, it was a weird situation from begin with, but Russell was definitely on the right, though. You know, it was a really crappy situation. Um, I'm I'm all for heckling and enjoying yourself at a at a game that you paid good money to get seats, especially in an NBA game where you know you can't get any closer in any other sport to uh, to the players the celebrities that you idolize or whatever it is or hate depending um but you know 
Westbrook put the NBA in a tough situation. Like, what are you going to do? As the NBA, you can't do nothing because you have to set a standard that your players can't really do this kind of stuff because technically, you know, you're a professional. You're supposed to ignore all of this kind of thing. And I get that in the NBA, it's a little bit different because they are literally right there. And it feels like you could just reach out and grab this dude by the shirt and beat the hell out of him, which that's probably what I would have been feeling like I wanted to do too because this, from what it sounds like, this guy was, uh, you know, like the happy Gilmore jackass kind of guy, right? Like just all up under his skin and, and Russell had to, has a tendency to listen a little too hard. So, um, I mean, they find him $25,000. That's pocket change. It doesn't mean anything except for the fact that, you know, Russell has to admit the fact that he did something wrong, which he never will do um, because he feel like he's defending himself. And I get that. But yeah, like I said, I mean, I think the, the NBA is just in a tough spot there. They got to do something. But I think that I think that um, Utah handled it correctly with the guy because I don't know if you guys heard the clip of him on jazz radio yeah. after the fact. He lied through his teeth, man. Said, "Oh, she never said anything. We were just kind of talking or whatever. We didn't say anything about him getting on his knees or nothing racist or anything like that." And it's like, "Oh yeah, 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 you did." They said they didn't even curse or nothing. They said right, nothing right. negative towards him. Of course, it's what it's called it? lessening the crime. He said something about heat or something that he was icing his knees or something like that. Right, right. That's what he was saying because he was icing his knees or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But you know how it is. I mean, fans are going to be crazy or whatever. Guy's probably just trying to press the chick or something stupid. So <laughs> impressive. You're banned from the arena. So good job. But yeah, I mean, uh, in my opinion, I mean, I I don't think that Russell should have been penalized. I mean, obviously, that's something you would never want to hear someone say. Uh, from Russell's standpoint, I mean, he shouldn't say it, something like that. I mean, nothing like nothing verbally to women like that. But um, I mean, he uh, Russell's character. I mean, it's well known around the league. I mean, he cares a lot about his family, and I mean, he almost what did he do? Slap the phone away kinda, last year or he's something? He's kind of sensitive a little bit, like like KD sensitive a little bit. Maybe not has a bunch of Twitter burners, but you know what I'm saying. Like he he feels it a little bit. He can't he can't let some things go sometimes. I mean. The person that I think does this the best is is LeBron James. And you know he's getting it every single night, especially at his peak. You know he was getting the worst things when he was over here in the East, whether it was when he was playing for Miami and just basically stomped all over Cleveland's heart or came back to Cleveland. And I mean, you know that dude's getting it the worst of anybody, and he never lets it phase him. And, I mean, I think that's uh, that's what the NBA is trying to set the standard of. This is what you want. we want you to be able to do. You have to be able to handle this stuff like you guys are making money hand over fist. If you can't handle stupid stuff like this, like what what are we supposed to do? That we gotta find you. Yeah. But uh we're gonna get away from NBA talk and we're gonna get on to the NFL. It's been a busy, busy week in the free agency and with the tra- a lot of trades. Tons of big names have been moved and it's gonna look brand new next season. Uh or let's uh, talk a little about the Falcons. Uh, they signed two guards and James Carpenter and uh, Jamin Brown from the Giants and the Jets. And then they released Ryan Schrader. And then also signed, this just came in, I think, today. Uh, they signed tight end uh, Luke Stocker. Are you guys satisfied with these moves? Oh, I mean, sure. I mean, Brown and Carpenter are serviceable linemen. They were not, like, great pickups. I mean, they're not they're good, decent pickups. We're not great. But Schrader was just terrible last year. He was he was a good few years before that. But, yeah, he had – it was almost written on the wall. He was going to be out of there, and um, so I think the, the what's his name, Luke Stalker. Yeah, Luke Stalker. He's 
good run blocking tight end, which we really didn't have much of last season. Because once Toy Oil left, he was, that was his role being a run blocking tight end. So we needed another one of those. And Logan Paulson is who was doing it last year. Yeah, yeah. Logan Paulson was doing it last very, year. Very, very inefficient to put it nicely. Yes, yes. And, um, but yeah, it was good, decent moves. I mean, I don't feel like it's going to, I don't know how much better the offensive line is now with Brown and Carpenter. That's going to be to determine because Brown's, no, Brown's still pretty young. He's 26. So I'm not too sure how old Carpenter is, but. He uh he was drafted in 2011, so he's 2011, like okay. 31. He's like 31. Jake Matthews. That's elderly when it comes to offensive linemen too. Yeah. So, and the Jets uh, were happy to let him go. So I'm I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> you know, you asked me if I'm satisfied. That's the that's the wrong word to ask because no, I'm not. You're talking about a year uh, a team that's two years removed from 28 to three, right? Like, and it still hurts. Like we had the Super Bowl in our hands, and it literally just melted in Tom Brady's face. And uh, and like I'm not gonna get over it. And I think the thing that we're missing here is the Vic Beasley Jr. thing. Like, why are we still? Why are we saying that's okay as fans? Like, I think that's the that's the most abhorrent thing I've ever seen in my life. It like as a GM, how how dare you tell your fans? that you're okay with paying a guy $12.8 million who had 20 tackles in a sack and a half last season. I wouldn't pay that man more than $3 million. Hell, I'd rather Brooks Reed got the contract that he's going to sit on this year because I think he's better at sucking. So, like, I don't I, – I, and I hate it too because I wanted Vic Beasley to be good. I want the Falcons to be good, but this ain't it. You know, this is not it. Uh, Luke Stocker, okay, I get it. He's a good run blocking tight end, but you know what this is? This is a, this is to slap paint on a turd to cover up your in, inadequacies at offensive line. You're trying to help your offensive line, and I would understand if you needed the second tight end to do the role that a tight end's supposed to do, which is either block or catch. If Austin Hooper was a guy like Gronkowski, who's getting 12 touchdowns a season and a thousand yards are very close to it, which he's not. And so it's not my, like, I feel like the fans are having to suffer because they refuse to admit when they've made mistakes. And I think any GM anywhere that's successful, take, take the Patriots, for example, which I hate to make examples of them, but they're perennially good. What are you supposed to do? They're perennially good. Why are they perennially good? Because they accept mistakes and they move forward. That's it. That's every single – I mean, even things that may not even look like a mistake, they realize there's what they thought was there isn't really there, and they don't wait on it. They keep moving, keep it moving, keep it moving, keep it moving. Here we are in stagnant. We're just slapping paint and hoping that Matt Ryan, the big contract that he's got, we don't get him killed. He's going to get killed. Who who are these people that are supposed to block for him? And, it, and, it, and you know, our center has a big contract thing, and – Alex Mack, like what he's going to have that coming up. We just franchise tagged um, the defensive side, uh, Grady Jarrett. <sighs> They're making the wrong moves, uh, honestly. And I hate to say this because how close we were in 2016, but really and truly, I feel like they almost need to blow this up because the deal with Devontae Freeman is killing you. The deal with Matt Ryan is killing you. The impending deal with Julio Jones is killing you. The fact that you're going to have to pay Grady Jarrett is killing you. And then next year, you know, Dion. Uh, the human missile, and everybody else is going to have to get paid too. And it's like, what are you going to do? Everybody can't get paid. And, and I don't I don't know what they're supposed to do, but this ain't it. That's what I feel like. 
Yeah, so, I mean, they're good. definitely in a tough situation right now. I mean, like you mentioned, everybody, I mean, there's about three people on the defensive end uh, next year that's going to have to be paid. But, I mean, I mean, I guess we do need that at the offensive line. But, I mean, we also lost one. And I think we – did we uh, lose someone? Did we lose? Yeah, Levitri. Uh, yeah, Levitri. we are. So, I mean, that's two for two. So, I mean, and they got rid of uh, they got rid of what's his name a couple uh, like a month or so ago. Uh, um, God, his name escapes me. He's uh he was an offensive guard. Uh, ben Garland. Yeah, they got rid of him too. They get rid of him. So Which I mean, mean, they said they were going to make a bunch of moves on the O line and stuff like that. But I'm sitting here looking at the draft and I'm not seeing it in the first round. Yeah, and so it makes me think. Well, then you should have made a, a conscious effort to blow this team up. Uh, excuse me. Um, try and franchise tag Grady Jarrett and then draft his replacement at 14. That's what you got to do. You got to find some depth on the defensive line. And then in the second round, th the difference between the guys in the first round coming out at O-line and the guys in the second round coming out at O-line is not that big. So just take them in the second because the difference in defense in the two rounds is huge. And, and you need depth in both places. So, I mean, I – Games are one of the line of scrimmage, and if you're not going to address that in the right way, you're just going to slap a Band-Aid on what's still a bad team. That's the way I feel about it. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. I mean, the window's closing really fast. I mean, I think we only have a few years left with this core. And like you said, I mean, the tackle, I think defensive tackle is the most important thing that we need to do in the draft, especially with our first pick. And then another thing I forgot, I did, forgot to mention this. Uh, we also lost uh, Tevin Coleman to the 49ers. Uh, how mm -hmm. much of an impact do you think this loss will have on the Falcons, Brett? Uh, I mean, I was really impressed with Edo Smith last season. Even though his numbers don't really jump out at you, he had a really good season. So I feel like he's going to to fill Coleman's shoes pretty good next season. If Freeman can stay healthy, I don't think it would be the lead back by any means. But if Freeman can stay healthy, it'll definitely – Less impact of losing Coleman, and I feel like Edo Smith can kind of fill that void a little bit. But also, well, Brian Poole just signed the Jets too, so he's heading heading to New York. Just Adam Schefter just tweeted. Oh, he just did. Mm -hmm. I'm not mad about that. He definitely mm -hmm. he wanted to be paid money that he does not deserve. Oh, for sure, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> if you yeah. can't tackle Drew Brees at whatever age he is, I think what is he like 30, 39, 39. Go ahead, Card. I, I think um, good for Tevin. Uh, I thought I think he thought probably he was going to get more money than that, and I, and I really kind of felt like he would too. Um, the market's just not there right now, especially with Le'Veon around. Um, and the 49ers are not going to overpay. Shanahan's smart. We're going to miss him here. We're going to realize what we had when we had him. And I think that Tevin and Ito both had good seasons last year in spite of our offensive coordinator situation. I think um, – he had no, he has no business being in the NFL. Uh, um, uh, Sark. Yeah, no. I, I don't think I don't think he's ready for that, and I think the learning curve is too big. And and he had no idea how to use Coleman and Edo Smith. I think Edo Smith has the same talents that Defonte Freeman has. I think he has really good hands. He should have been in a slot more. I think Tevin was underutilized. Neither one of those guys are a feature back though, so I don't put that on Sark's face uh, or on Sark's plate, but. You know, I don't know that the impact will be um, too severe. Granted, I did just see that we uh, we signed Kenyon Barner. Um, so maybe there's going to be some issues there with our punter 
since he basically um, gave him the DDT last year in the middle of the <laughs> season. And the man said, how are you going to do that to me? My kids are watching. <coughs> so I'm just saying like, uh, there's going to be some trouble in the locker room perhaps there, but uh, you know, I mean, it, as long as Freeman stays healthy, you know, and, and you have Smith as the slash guy or, or just somewhere to give him a breather or whatever, it's going to, it's going to be okay. I will miss him for sure. Cause he's just so versatile, but there's no way they were going to be able to pay him. You know, I mean, but yeah, I mean, that's the main thing. I mean, Devontae Freeman has to stay healthy because I mean, like you said, Brett, Edo Smith did show that he could be a good running back, but I don't, he's definitely not a number one guy and we could not, have uh, Devontae Freeman going through another injury uh, this season. Like he He's going to have to change his running style. I mean, because he runs violently, and and if he keeps taking violent contact on the other side, you know, he's not going to last. Yeah, he can't, he can't be having too many more concussions, I mean, because that can end his career. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. It could end his life. Yeah. Frank Gore will tell you, you got to adjust yourself. That's why Frank Gore's been in the league for so long. Like, kudos to him. He used to run violently like that coming out of the U. I don't know if y'all remember or not. But, man, that dude was a freak when he came out. And uh, he would run you over. Like, that was his thing. He wanted to hit you really hard. And that was the way Freeman was, too. And it, they're both shorter guys, stockier guys. And it just kind of comes with the territory, I feel like. But um, he adjusted his game, and it, it impacted his longevity. He's still in the game right now. And I think – Last year, he he had almost a thousand yards rushing. He was splitting time with somebody else. So, kudos to him. I think uh, Freeman could take a lesson. Yep, most definitely. But let's move more to the national perspective. We had some big moves. Uh, we're going to start with maybe the best team in the AFC North now, the Cleveland Browns. Uh, they loaded the roster with a lot of top names, and they look to be back on the right track. Uh, are the Browns now the favorite in the AFC North? Oh, uh, yeah. I'll call them a favorite. Either them or the Ravens, because the Ravens, they lost a bunch of defensive side of the ball, but I felt Lamar, for them, offense, Lamar Jackson's going to take that next step. But for the Browns, their offense just looks like it might be one of the top three in the NFL next season. They got so much firepower. They added Cream Hunt earlier about a month ago. So and they added a good defensive tackle and Sheldon Richardson. So I feel like they're, they're I'll call them the favorites for easily in the AFC North. You know, I wouldn't. I, I I don't necessarily disagree with you. I think uh, the Ravens. I, I'm not sure how I feel about whether or not they actually got better. I know that they, they made some moves, but they lost some pieces too. I think C.J. Mosley uh, was the big piece for them, and in, in at the linebacker position, that's going to be hard to replace. But they just weren't going to pay him 88 million dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, but but um, don't sleep on the Steelers. They're still good. Smith Schuster's good. Um, I know they lost Brown, but the rest of that team is still there. Uh, they may win in spite of Roethlisberger or because of Roethlisberger. You never know. But that O-line is the best in the North for sure. Um, I think the Browns I think the Browns got really good. Um, that's, that's exactly what Baker Mayfield needed is another guy to throw to. Um, their defense, they lost a little bit because they had to give up peppers. But I wouldn't be surprised if they go out and get uh, Eric Berry, who just got released by the uh, – he just got cut by the Chiefs. I think that fits. Um, Berry's a little bit later in his career, but – the Browns are young everywhere else, so that makes sense to me. And, um, you know, I, I, it's going to be a, an interesting uh, contest there in the north, uh, and it's definitely cool to see, as a Falcons fan, all these moves uh, being made in the NFL. It keeps everything interesting. I just wish it was my team that was getting people like Antonio Brown or C.J. Mosley even. I mean, anybody that could help um, our defense right now, 
you know how I feel about Vic Beasley Jr. So I won't go into that <laughs> diatribe again, but yeah, it's, it's going to be fun to watch. I mean, I, I like that the moves are happening. Um, I, you know, it's cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they're right on the right track. And I mean, the most important thing is that all of these guys are young and I mean, it's just a bunch of young talent that's going to grow together. And I think they're going to have an immediate impact. I actually disagree with you, Clark. I don't think the Steelers are going to be a threat to them because of Big Ben. I think he'll fall off even more without Brown and uh, Le'Veon to check down to and stuff. So, But I I mean, I think the Browns, I mean, yeah, like you said, they lost a few uh, defensive players and uh, Peppers, but the safety isn't the hardest position to uh, refill. So no, I, mean, I think they're definitely – they're definitely on the right track and it's going to be pretty cool to see them finally be good and win some more games and maybe even get back into the playoffs. I wish they were on hard knocks this year. Yeah. God, that would be so entertaining. <laughs> God, that would be so good. Uh, and now bringing up the Steelers, we're going to talk about them for a little bit. They've looked to completely fallen apart, losing two of their best players, trading Brown and then, to the Raiders and then Le'Veon Bell signed to the Jets. Uh, what do you guys think caused this Steelers meltdown? Ben Roethlisberger, or the start of it. It just sounds like he has, of course, I've only, we've only heard from Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown the situation, but he just seems to have too big of an ego and takes none of the blame. Like, if it's a drop pass or, or somebody like that, he always blames the receiver. If it, Whatever it is, it's always somebody else's fault, never his fault. So that's the vibe I got from listening to Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell. So I feel like he is the center of all the destruction going on in Pittsburgh right now. Um, as far as where I would lay blame, granted Ben Roethlisberger is not helping the situation. I think I'd probably lay blame a little bit more on Mike Tomlin, only because it is literally his job description to keep the team order and discipline, right? Like, to maintain good order and discipline on a team in a locker room, it's basically your job to hand down. And if you're not doing that to Ben Roethlisberger, then you're at fault. And if Ben Roethlisberger has been led to believe that he can act this way, if it, in fact it's true, I don't know, I'm not in the locker room, but I would agree with you that it seems like he's holier than thou in that locker room, and that's not fair to the other players. Granted, I mean, he, he's also a guy who's the biggest veteran on the team, and he's the only one with the – what has he got? Two Super Bowl rings, right? Granted, yeah. he got those early or whatever, and he hadn't been the same guy since. He's got a lot of injuries, but he hasn't been terrible either. And Antonio Brown wouldn't have been Antonio Brown without all those throws. I mean, they throw the ball a lot. And, you know, Derek, I would counter what you said earlier about them not really being uh, anything to worry about competitively in the North. Uh, everybody said the same thing last year when Le'Veon wasn't going to play and James Conner was going to take the reins, and they did exactly the same thing that they had done previous three years i think a lot of that comes from the o-line and and james connor has a lot of the same skill sets that Le'Veon has i'm not saying he's as good i don't think he is and i think Le'Veon is actually going to play above what he's being paid in in new york in spite of that terrible o-line um but i'm not saying that the steelers are going to win 10 games this year but i'm saying don't sleep on them to still compete in that tough division because division games in the AFC North are something different. The The Ravens Steelers game is a huge rivalry. Uh, the, the Browns are, are trying to come back into it now and, and just make people pay for wiping the floor with them the past 15 years or whatever it's been. God, they've sucked for so long. It's, it's been, been great. because I can't stand Cleveland because of the Cavaliers and all this other bull crap. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know that they've completely fallen apart. I think, 
they may have just gotten rid of the two people that were the cancers. You never know. I mean, I just don't know if it, if it was bell and Brown that were causing the problems, then they may be better off. But if it's Roethlisberger, then nothing's changed and, and they probably win seven games this year, but we'll see. We'll see. Time will tell. Yeah. I, yeah. I definitely think we'll figure it out this year. I mean, I, me personally, I think Ben has failed as a leader to the 100%. Well, every offseason, he's like, I don't know if I'm coming back or yeah. whatever. It's like that doesn't set your team up for success. I mean, he was saying that like three years ago. The past ago. three years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I That mean, becomes a pattern and it's a problem. Yeah. And you would think you would want to be more of a leader. I mean, you have two of the best, one of like arguably best uh, players on the offensive end on the same yeah. team. He so just I mean, wants to bang 16-year-olds and knock his teeth out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> but I do. I mean, ultimately, though, ultimately, though, in my opinion – and granted, it's a non-professional opinion, so you could take it with a grain of salt. I think it, the the blame lays at the feet of Mike Tomlin because literally, I mean, I feel like literally his job is to maintain order and discipline in the locker room. If something's happening and you're turning a blind eye to it and then you let it expound and expound. I mean, you just lost two of the best players in the league, period, point blank, period. I would have rather lost Ben Roethlisberger than those two guys on my team. That's what I'll say if that's the issue. If that's not the issue – then it's a totally different story. But, you know, at any rate, it's still his fault. Yeah, I, I do think Tomlin does deserve some of the blame, but just not all of it because, I mean, he still has that team. Right, I mean, these are grown men too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But um, with the deals with uh, Antonio Brown and Odell Beckham, do these trades uh, make you worry about the future for Julio Jones and the Falcons, Brett? Uh, I was smoking this earlier today. Where the Falcons have another year like last year where this everything completely falls apart, Dan Quinn gets fired, and I was thinking Julio and Julio say whatever happens to his contract, but for right now he has one more year after the 2019 season. If someone throws a first-round pick for Julio Jones, I'll, I'd say take it because you've shown nothing the past couple of years of saying, including 2019, if we do do bad, yeah, you can't do anything with him and Matt Ryan, but at the same time, I – I feel like he's going to be a Falcon for life because I don't see us having that bad year this year. But uh, that's, that's just something I was saying earlier today. I don't think it, anything to worry about with Julio. I feel like he's going to get his money later on this offseason and be go out to the sunset whenever it's <laughs> over with. <laughs> I, I feel like initially the first reaction, my knee, my knee-jerk reaction is poor Julio Jones and Matt Ryan. They got Freddie Freeman disease, and it's not even funny. Like we are wasting the best years of their talented careers, potentially Hall of Fame careers. We're wasting them. We're wasting them away. And yeah, I mean, I'm 100% with Brett. And I literally, the the thought really just occurred to me today. Hold on a second. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Like uh, you could get a first and a third round pick for OBJ. Well, I guess you probably get a first and maybe a back end of a second or a first and a third for Julio too. And at this point, the picks are more valuable than the money because you don't have the money and you've promised him all this. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It sucks. But the truth of the matter is they're on the waning end of the, I mean, Julio's still really, really good. I mean, in spite of the missed touchdown opportunities and things like that, um, in spite of the offensive coordinator shakeups, what is it like four in his career so far with the Falcons? That's not fair. Um, you know, he's great, but he's got foot problems and all kinds of stuff, which comes when you're, you know, six foot four, 245 pounds and run a four, three forty. like your feet are going to hurt on that turf in Atlanta. And I, I just feel, I feel sorry for him, for him and Matt Ryan, because 
I feel like we're just wasting away their talent in in Atlanta. Yeah, I definitely agree that we are wasting that talent. I mean, of a lot of guys, especially them too. And I mean, I I just think you have to keep Julio no matter what. I mean, that's just a one in a generational player. Like you're you're not really finding players like that uh, anymore. Wide receiver at his height and his uh, speed and his ability to, and his uh, character, dude. Yeah, his character. Look at OBJ and, and Antonio Brown. Those two guys would be talked about in the same conversation as Julio Jones. But the thing that sets him apart is he's a team-first guy. And even if he's sitting out waiting for contract, he was never going to let his team down, period, point blank. I mean, he never was going to do that. And I believe him when he when he says that, even though they, they made the promise before that would have ever happened. I still believe he would have gone. I still believe that from him. I mean, he's just that kind of guy. Like, you don't see that every day. And he's made no – he made no negative remarks and still – No way. To, I mean, yeah. he's just shown his loyalty. And, I mean, it's time. It's time and to you got to get your money, too. So, yeah. like, what? I mean, what you know – it's it, it was a bad deal, but at the same time, my, the devil's advocate in me plays the well. You sign the contract, and so what's the point of a contract then if you get to renegotiate it every time you feel like the money went up? Like, I get that the money went up. I'm sorry for you. You still got three years left on your deal, bro. Yeah, I de- I, I mean, I definitely think we need to pay him, and I think he's definitely earned the money. And I mean, you got to get paid. And I mean, hit your career doesn't last long in the NFL, so it's definitely a push, and you got to be selfish sometimes. But um, in your guys' opinion, uh, who do you think is winning the offseason so far? Winning the offseason, I've got to go over the Browns. Uh, they made the biggest splash, or heck, you even say the Raiders. They've had a pretty solid offseason so far. You so can't I'm say two, there. Brett. You just had all mine. Well, yeah, I won't go. I won't go with. I'll go with the Browns for OBJ. I feel like that's the move that's going to really set them over the top in the AFC North and put them in a really good spot in the AFC. Yeah, I like I like the moves the Browns made too. But uh, yes, as you mentioned earlier, uh, the Raiders. I think they won the offseason. Um, to get look, we just talked about it a second ago. You know, you if you put your top three wide receivers in the league. It's Antonio Brown, OBJ, and Julio Jones. And whatever order you want to shake them up, I don't care. Whether you're looking at touchdowns or yards or receptions or you know catch percentage or whatever the hell, catch radius, I don't care. But those are the three that are at the top regardless, right? And for the Raiders to somehow negotiate a deal with the Steelers, who must have really seriously wanted to move Antonio Brown, which leads me to believe that it was more than just a uh, um a Roethlisberger problem. Uh, they got him for a third rounder and a fifth rounder, a third and a fifth. If somebody was offering a third and a fifth for Julio, what does your face look like when you hang the phone up? Get the fuck out of here, man. Why'd you even call me? And OBJ got a first and a third, right? Like that's pretty, that's pretty. Okay. Now we're talking first and a third. Okay. I, I could, I could mess with that. Um, you know, I think I think the Raiders did really good, and and you know, it's sink or swim for John Gruden right now. John Gruden can make or break his his career pretty much right here in this year and the next one because of of these moves and the availability of talent at, at the higher rounds of the draft. I mean, he may be able to come out from under the water of that Khalil Mack deal, which I thought was I couldn't believe that he did that. As a matter of fact, uh, me and a buddy of mine, as soon as they made the Khalil Mack deal, um, put a hundred bucks on the. Bears to win the Super Bowl because they were like 40 to one odds 
still, it was still holding at 40 to one when the Mac deal happened. And I thought, Oh my God, that puts the, I mean, if we're talking about baseball wins above replacement, that's like at least four <laughs> wins above replacement mm -hmm. in the league. So I thought for sure they'd make it. So for me, it's the Raiders. Um, but John Gruden could ruin that whole thing. You know, he's, he's kind of retarded sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with Brad. I'm going to have to say the Browns. I mean, I just think putting all that young talent together, I think it's going to work. And, I mean, that team is uh, – that's uh, Cleveland's desperate for a winning season. And Do you think Baker's still going to be trying to show everybody this year like he did last year? Because, you know, that's when he plays his best, when he thinks he's got a whole bunch of haters. And I think he may not have so many haters right now. I, yeah, I mean, they're, they're – I mean, people don't hate the Browns. I mean, they want to – a lot of people want to see him do well. But, I I mean, he just – that's just his play style. And, I mean, I think he'll still be like that. He's going to flip the proof that he gets him to the playoffs. That's what I think. Yeah. He's going to be grabbing his nuts after every game. <laughs> after <yes then. laughs> but uh, let's move on to college basketball. Uh, both seasons ended for Georgia Tech and Georgia. Georgia Tech was eliminated from the ACC tournament by Notre Dame Tuesday. Uh, can we get a recap from you guys on their season, and what can we expect going forward? <laughs> a total nightmare from Georgia Tech's perspective. I mean, it's March, baby. Woo! Yes. <laughs> March, March. We look so good, Georgia, right? So, yeah, yeah. that's right. I mean, we looked so, kind of a big win against NC State, who was twenty and nine at the time on the road, buzzer beater, and uh, he come out and lay an egg against a team like Notre Dame that's lost seven in a row, and he come out. Their coach. I mean, I, I'm a I'm a big Josh Pastor fan. I I really like what he was dealt a terrible hand. That hand got even worse when Ron Bell situation came up. But What's he supposed to he, do without Josh Okoge, man? I know. Yeah, they, and he started What's making he excuses. To do? He doesn't have Josh Okoge anymore. He's, you know, exactly. He left us. He left us. He's gone. <laughs> he wasn't supposed to be gone, but he's gone. We can't get to the NC two A tournament now. Where's Josh Okoge right. at? He's <laughs> everything. Yeah, he keeps making excuses. They come out after the game saying Notre Dame had an advantage. Excuses, he's seen, these are reasons. Yeah. <laughs> and he said Notre Dame had seen it take defense seven times. I'm like, if they ain't made adjustments for seven times, why can't we make the adjustment? Because we you see know, defense always is about effort, okay? Offense <laughs> is about athleticism and and, and, and talent. And we just mm -hmm. don't have it yet. We lost Josh Okoge, okay? <laughs> That's exactly what he sounds like. I mean, but – who knows? I mean, next year is supposed to be the year we're supposed to be a tournament-type team, but we have zero commits for 2019 class. Me, so we have one commit. This. How in the world did Georgia take Ant-Man out from underneath Georgia Tech? How did that even happen? There's, I have no it's idea. It's because Josh Pastner is a piece of shit. <laughs> he is a lying sack of shit who got seven years from a guy who just got to Georgia Tech, who wanted Georgia Tech to be good, uh, in, in uh, Stansberry, it's not fair what he's doing to him. He's fleeced the man. He's conned him. If <laughs> I, I can't stick, like I really want the first two years, I really wanted Passner to be good. Passner has only been good with someone else's players his entire career, ever. Not even just at Georgia Tech, but at Georgia Tech also when he had Lammers and a Kogi. Oh my God! It's like they were sleeping together, and he left him for another man or something. It's a ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I feel bad for Andy Demetra because he still has to continue listening to this crap. I'm sure he goes home to his wife and regurgitates the same stuff over and over and over. I think, I think Josh Pastner might actually be in love with Josh Akogi. There's a real serious problem there. 
<laughs> I, I feel bad for tech fans, you know, because um there's no reason in the city of Atlanta that you shouldn't have a great team. And I don't want to hear any bull crap excuses about getting people into the I mean, you have the same requirements as the University of Virginia, as uh Virginia Tech, all of those places have fine Duke, they have they have great blue blood, you know, um programs prestigious programs and tech's getting screwed over by a guy who just makes excuse after excuse after excuse and then says it's not an excuse that's just what it is and then does it again and then says a kogi and then nc2a and then defense is about effort and offense is about talent and that's the most ridiculous thing well we had some guys we were going to get some guys but but we just didn't think we were going to lose a kogi so we didn't it's like what you're not recruiting for the year after like what is he even doing I'm so yeah, frustrated with it. That guess what I was saying that the plays at Pittsburgh now as a freshman. He said, um, we, he came out and said that he's the kid averaged 18 points a game this year for Pittsburgh. He said he was going to commit to tech and he didn't think he was losing to Kogi and let him walk on to Pittsburgh or not walk on. He got a scholarship to Pittsburgh and I he just went off and averaged 18 a game. I think he was our point guard. So, I mean, yeah, I feel like he's still. Got some room to work, obviously, but well, look, Pastner's thing every time that when he's done making his excuses, what does he always say? But we play really good defense, right? Mm -hmm. But then you let Notre Dame, who's well lost like six in a row, drop fifty-two on you in the first half. So don't talk to me about defense because Jose Alvarado didn't have a single point until what the third quarter. He finally hit a three. I couldn't. I mean, I was listening to it on the radio and I was screaming in traffic. I was so pissed <laughs> off. And I'm not even a huge Georgia Tech fan. I just hate seeing this for the city of Atlanta because it's not fair they have to deal with crap like this. I actually think that UGA has a better path forward than Georgia Tech does. And that's, I mean, that's just not, it shouldn't be that way. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm off. I'm off the podium now. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, you're good. Okay, I'm done too. Uh, going off that, uh, we'll talk a little bit about Georgia. They, their season it also ended uh, Wednesday in the SEC tournament against Missouri. Uh, do y'all guys have any thoughts on their season and what to expect next year? I feel it just – they beat Tech, obviously, but it's just as bad as – if not worse than Tech. They have a ton of talent on that team, a ton of talent. Claxton, he's, he's – Speedy Claxton. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I really – Claxton, Hammonds. I mean, they're all kinds of players they on that team. They lost 12 out of their last 13 down the stretch, yeah. and it's absolutely yeah, it's, asinine that they should do that. And another thing, you know what I want to talk about, like uh, Pittsburgh and having some real, real big problems. Um, I think Tom Crean's got some problems with his players. He can't figure out whether he likes them or not. And mm -hmm. he keeps going back and forth. And players sense that kind of stuff, even if you're not saying it out loud. And the worst thing is Tom Crean is still saying that kind of stuff out loud. This is not Indiana. This is not the Hoosiers. This isn't Blue Blood America. We all love basketball. I don't know. I mean, we do love basketball. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, like, you know, these are these are kids that he he, he he'll one day he'll say these are great kids, and the next day he'll say these aren't my recruits. It's like, okay, you can't have you can't have your cake and eat it too. All right. So what is it? But he went out and got Ant-Man. So the man's a recruiting mastermind, and, and I think maybe Georgia has a better path forward, like I said before, and that's that's sad for Georgia Tech that they're just stuck with passengers and excuses. Yeah, I mean, Georgia's season was god-awful this year. I mean, what did they – I think they won maybe two, maybe three. They games. lost by 22 points at home. Yeah. 
on like a on like a what was it? It was it wasn't it like a uh they had the old players in and stuff and they they just yeah, it was played an egg. It was, it was awful. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay, you said it. Yeah. That was awful, man. That was just yeah, terrible. I mean, like you said, I mean, Cream, he has said some ill-advised things and I mean he better I think he's a talented head coach that I think he will I think they'll come out on top yeah he'll, that, he's got to prove himself next year I mean if he's talking about these aren't his guys well when your guys come in next season I mean, you got something to prove and I mean it's I don't know it's looking scary for both of them I mean we can't neither team can keep all these guys that are coming from Georgia all the basketball talent and can't keep them in in their home state so it's just crazy to me but uh, moving on, we're going to talk about good old Atlanta United, the team that finally brought us a championship. But a uh, slow start this season. Atlanta United lost to Cincinnati Sunday, and they didn't really look good throughout the game. Uh, Brett, do you think that uh, United got too comfortable in MLS? Oh, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that. It's got a transition period. They just lost Miguel Amarone and a uh, new coach, so it's going to take some time to adjust. It's a little bit of adjustment period, like. Uh, they'll they'll catch on throughout the regular rest of the season, and when it works in the, M, the hard MLS schedule. And um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't be too worried about it if I was United fan. The loss to Cincinnati was ugly. Yeah, I mean, I'll give it to you. And the players are visibly frustrated. Uh, Joseph Martinez, the main one there. Um, I think I don't know if you guys saw the cut or not, but. There was a cut of him walking off the off the field, and a and a guy wanted to give him nucks, and he was like not having any of it. So, you know, it didn't look good in Cincinnati, but then they turned around and and brought it back uh, in the last leg of the Concacaf Championship um, leg. There, uh, they lost on aggregate, but it was a one zero game against. Argue, I mean, to me, I don't know how you how do you draw Monterey twice? What the, what the hell is going on that you lose to Monterey? I mean. They're they're one of the premier teams in Mexico. Um, you got screwed by the refs. I feel like in the very first match there in the Concacaf, and uh, you know, I, I say pump the brakes a little bit. That that's what I would say to fans with Atlanta United. Look, we started off a little bit slow. Um, I think we started with a loss last year. Actually, probably the last two years. I think our first uh, game was a loss, and you know they. They've got a lot of changes to get over, uh, and namely um, pity and 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 a new manager. So just just take it with a grain of salt. Be a little bit prepared to lose probably three of the first six games or so, and let them get their feet underneath them. And Joseph Martinez has already showed that he's still ready to put the ball in the back of the net, and that's what you really like to see from your forwards. Um, and, and and I think I think they're going to be okay. I think they'll be competing in the top tier. Uh, talent-wise, down the stretch. So, don't worry about it. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely – there's nothing to worry about. I mean, the coaching changes and a few players, I mean, it's definitely going to take a little bit. But they're – I mean, they've shown that they're still top talent. I mean, like they played the other day, like you said, Clark. So, I mean, there's really nothing to worry about, and they'll be fine going forward. But let's get on to the Braves. Uh, spring training is in full swing, and Acuna – has shown out. I mean, he's just been amazing so far. And eight for his last eight. Yeah, mm-hmm. Absolutely it's ridiculous. I don't. Crazy. I don't think I can hit eight straight pitches off a jugs machine. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just uh, Brett, start us off. Uh, talk a little bit about his hot start. Acuna, he's on a different level right now for a kid. It's just 
as young as he is, and he really came to his own, as everybody knows, when he went to the leadoff spot last year after the All-Star break and went on his tear and really hasn't looked back since then. And um, But they're going to move him back in order. It sounds like the RBI hitting spot, but I don't know where you're going to put him at three, move they're Freeman back to four. They're going to have to put him in the four if they're going to back yeah, him yeah, up. Yeah, put him in four, yeah. Because yeah. Freddie's not moving off the three, and Donaldson yeah, basically agree. said that – Regardless of what you thought you brought me here for, I'm better in the two, and I'm I'd like mm-hmm. to hit the two, and they're going to give him that because they're also giving him 23 million, which I think is an overpayment. I don't think you go a dollar over 16 for a guy like that, but at the same time, they have him here, and other teams don't. So we'll see mm-hmm. how it goes um, from those aspects. But yeah, you're 100 right. Acuna's in mid senior mid season form already. Okay, over the last two games, over the last three games, he's eight for nine, a walk. Well, I guess he's eight for eight with a walk mixed in there because, you know, the walk doesn't actually count as an at-bat or whatever. But over the last two games, if you take his last four at-bats, so he was three for three yesterday, and if you add in the very last at-bat the day before, he's four for four with the cycle. A home run, a triple, a double, and a single. And that's absolutely ridiculous. And I don't care if you want to say that spring training doesn't matter because for the most part it doesn't because you're stretching all your pitchers out and things like that. There are things that matter in spring training and what your batters are doing to these pitchers that they're supposed to be taking deep. If they're taking them deep when they're supposed to be, that means something. Their, their timing is on. They're seeing the ball well. Their pitch selection is great. Um, Acuna's got all those things going for him, and his defense is plus. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's actually – it's actually ridiculous what he's doing right now. As a matter of fact, I heard on the radio a couple of days ago, and you know we can move on after this. Uh, Kevin Seitzer, the hitting coach for the Atlanta Braves, said, and I quote, "You know, this is this guy reminds me of Roberto Clemente." And I'm sitting here thinking, like, what the hell did he just say? Like, I get that Acuna is really good, but Clemente, come on, man, the guy's been here for a year and some change. And then I started thinking about it, and I thought, oh, my God. You know, Acuna could be like Clemente, but he might probably still – he might steal more bases. <laughs> you know, like it, that's how good this guy is. He's – he's he's uh, you talk about generational talents, and we've mentioned him here on, the sh- on this actual show. Uh, um, he's like once in a lifetime. I don't know. I, I've never seen anything like it. And I've, I've seen – I mean, David Wright, when he came up for the Mets, they thought he was going to be crazy good. And then injuries hampered him and things like that. This dude is like Barry Bonds before the steroids. He can do everything with a bat. He can do everything on defense. He can run all the bases. And I just – I mean, it's – I'm just so glad that we got Trey, Trey Young, John Collins, Ronald Acuna. Like, it's, it's at least fun to watch Atlanta sports because a couple years there it was a rough, rough stretch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely good to see all these young guys actually stepping up and, I mean, looking great and looks like they're going to take over the league soon in all the sports for Atlanta. Uh, but more of a negative side, uh, Bolte's injury seems to be a little more serious than people thought before. Uh, what do you guys think this means for the Braves pitching rotation going forward? Anytime a pitcher has an injury, there's always something to worry about, especially when it's at the length where you can't even start opening day now. So, um but I don't feel like it's going to hamper him too much as we get – as he works through it and gets a couple ends under his belt when he does come back. And But, uh, again, it's always something to worry about when it's an arm issue with a pitcher. But 
I don't know how many starts he'll miss at the start of the season, but I know I, I'm confident in Tehran to be a opening day star. Because this number from opening day are just ridiculous. He's that's the one day of the year he's actually been an ace type pitcher on opening. Even in day. the first <laughs> inning. Yeah, even in the yeah, first it's inning. The one day that he can do it for some that's reason. Right. The one day he's turned into a, the ace. He's he hasn't gotten he could great be. run support though, but but you're mm-hmm. right. It is the one day of the year that he seems to be able to pitch the first inning. And, uh, you know, um, I, I actually, I actually disagree a little bit. I think Fulty's injury is major. I think this is a major problem. Um, this isn't the first time that he's had elbow issues. Uh, it's actually been the last two years. He's had these same kind of situations. He's, I think he's had a bone chip that was like a little floater or something like that, that he, he couldn't seem to shake, uh, in 2016 or something like that. And then he's overthrown the ball and has some shoulder discomfort. And now he's back to this same sort of situation. And I would feel like maybe it wouldn't be so bad. Um, he's just going to miss the opening day start and maybe the second one, like they're telling us. But at the same time, when this first happened, they said, oh, if this is the regular season, uh, he wouldn't have missed the start. And then he didn't pitch for a week and a half. He didn't throw the ball for a week and a half. And he still hasn't thrown off a mound yet. And he like the way they do this for guys, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but he's still got to do two bull- bullpen sessions in a sim game before he even moves before they even escalate innings and he's got to get up to five innings before they even think about starting him. I think this is a significant injury. And I think when we see the start of the season, they might upgrade him to the DL. And uh, I I don't know that that's good. Um, The only upside to this is thank God we have so many talented arms in the wings. Uh, Kyle Wright to me looks like a shoe in to catch that fifth spot in the rotation. And I think he's battling Tukey and maybe even Bryce Wilson for that position and, and, and that's what I'm saying. Thank God for that because that really was a spot that was up for debate um, before we had the faulty injury. Now with the faulty injury, if everybody moves up a slot, you might have two spots open up where you rotate some guys in. And and one other thing I'd like to mention before we move on to another topic is Max Freed is playing out of his mind pitching off the mound right now. And that dude's curveball is the it's sickest working. thing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. It is the sickest curveball I have seen it really long, like since Justin Verlander came up, uh, the umpire a couple of days, uh, actually it was yesterday in the televised game, the umpire, the thing was breaking so much the umpire couldn't even call him strikes because he was missing the movement. It was crazy. I actually took a video and put it up on Twitter at ATL crap sandwich. If you want to check it out, it, it was ridiculous. I, 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 like I said, I don't want to compare him to Verlander, but he has high heat like Verlander and that curveball is just devastating. Um, now uh, we're going to go get to our buy and sell uh, section. I'm going to start with a little holiday thing. Uh, St. Patrick's Day is uh, this Sunday. Uh, Brett, buy or sell wearing green on this holiday? <laughs> I mean, I guess I, I got to buy it. I mean, you get some free stuff wherever you go. You wear green on St. Patrick's Day. So I guess I got to buy it just because it's free stuff. <laughs> I don't know if I own anything green. Uh, my son. He's got he's got some green stuff. He'll be wearing green, and I'll probably be carrying him around so that'll work. But uh, green doesn't have uh, my teams. They don't have any colors that are green in them. So I I don't even know that. I think I might have one shirt. So maybe I will wear it if uh, if we end up going out and getting a Guinness or something. Yeah, I'm gonna have to sell that. I also <laughs> I do not have anything in my closet that is I mean, green. I said, green is not in my yeah. color wheel i'm good yeah, I'm, I'm good on green i do not like that on clothes so i'm gonna have to go ahead and sell that one <laughs> pinch me i'll punch you in the face <laughs> <laughs> um 
a positive note on the football side in Atlanta. Atlanta Legends have won two straight games after making Aaron Murray the starter. Buy or sell Aaron Murray being the savior for the Legends this season. I'm, buy, I'm buying that one for sure because I feel like it was written, written on the wall he was going to be the starter at some point, so I don't definitely buy that. I'm buying that because F the Sims family. I'm tired <laughs> of seeing any of them throwing any footballs. They're all trash. Yeah, I'm definitely going to buy that. I mean, yes. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand why he was not starting at the beginning of the season. I mean, he's a be- the better quarterback, and he'll bring more fan attention. I mean, a lot of Georgia guys want to see him play. So I, d- I didn't understand the move at the beginning, but I guess they figured it out now, and they've won two straight games. Uh, are Are you guys still keeping up with the AF watching the games? I am. Yeah. yeah. I missed the. I actually missed the the Aaron Murray start last last week. Um, but I have been keeping up. the <laughs> The first two games were ugly, man. Oof. Yeah, that was bad. bad. Orlando Apollos look like. I mean, they're the class of the of the AAF right now. And kudos to Steve Spurger at like what seventy four. He's just out there doing the same thing he's always done, man. Commanding a really good offensive team. I don't know how he does it. Yeah, they haven't caught my attention fully yet. I mean, I always watch the highlights and stuff after the games, but I, I haven't sat down and watched the full game yet since that first game because it was so bad. Oh, a full game? No, I hadn't watched the full game. I caught some of the first two, but they were so ugly I couldn't watch them, and then I just I had other stuff going on for the other two. Yeah, so. I think I'm about to pass on that. But um, Zion Williamson, he's actually back, and I think they're playing I right now. That. Today, that news came out today, didn't it? Yeah, he's. I think they're actually playing right now against mm-hmm. Syracuse in the tournament. Um, do you guys, well, buy or sell, does this addition of Zion make Duke the favorite again in March Madness tournament? I'm buying it because I'm watching them right now, and they look really, really good. look rejuvenated. And Virginia, they Virginia's the only other team I feel like they compete with them. They beat them twice. Gonzaga just played a dud the other night against St. Mary's, so – I'll call them the favorite for sure. Yeah, I'm buying that. I think they were the favorite before Zion. I think that only exacerbates the issue for all the other teams to try to defend him because he's basically the college goat right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to buy, but I actually disagree with I thought I thought they were might have been in trouble if Zion didn't come back mm-hmm. in the tournament. I thought that. But um, I think now, I mean, the impact that Zion makes on both ends of the floor, I mean, defensively, he changes their whole defensive scheme because of how much ground he can cover. So I'm definitely going to have to buy that. I think I think they're going to end up coming up and winning the tournament. I'm definitely going to have them in my bracket uh, to win it. Is that y'all going the same way or? Uh, from my bracket, I'll, well, I'll make a bunch of brackets. From, but yeah, I'll probably have Duke. I have a few of my brackets, either Duke or um. Whoever wins the SEC between Tennessee or Kentucky, I feel like, or even LSU, I feel like either of those three can really make a run because they get so deep. Um, I actually have, I actually have Virginia really high in my bracket. I think uh, they're one of the most complete teams. They haven't had to deal with so many injuries. Um, they've had good games, but never really anything that's tested them too much. Uh, I don't know that they could win the whole thing now with Zion coming back because that was a huge question mark for me when I made that. And then also my sleeper team is actually FSU. So both out of the ACC, I don't know that the SEC really stands a chance. Um, 
coming into the tournament. They just don't really ever – they just haven't really proved to me that they play well in those tournament formats for whatever reason. Aside from obviously Kentucky is a, a blue blood and has that ability to do it, I just don't think they're going to do it this year. So, Yeah, I, think, I, know, I guess for me it's between Virginia and Florida State. See, uh, I think that Virginia is just – they're just every time they get to the tournament, they look like they're good, mm-hmm. but yeah. then they just can't score at that point. Yeah, somewhere. Yeah, they got to get some athletic team like Duke. We saw yeah. it this season twice. They can't compete. But I do think I think Kentucky is more of a sleeper this year. I mean, mm-hmm. people are really that high on them. I mean, they're not a complete. They're not a Cinderella story, but I think they're a little sleeper. I think they can make a big splash in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got we got Bob in the comments talking about Gonzaga after that terrible loss they just had the other day in their oh, yeah. conference yeah. tournament. <laughs> yeah, buddy, Bob, I do not think they will be doing anything <laughs> in the tournament. Sorry to tell you that one. And then nope. Phil, he also said uh, we should do a HQ bracket for tickets. So if that's popular demand, Phil will definitely do that when the brackets. Mm-hmm. I think Selection Sunday is a Sunday. Mm-hmm. So y'all stay on, y'all stay on Phil and make him do that. So y'all, you guys that continue to support the show, can get some tickets if you uh, predict it right. But that is going to do it today. Uh, we're going to end with some shoutouts. Uh, Brett, who you want to shout out? A shout out to the viewers and support we have, and reading the articles, stuff like that. Really appreciate that, and hope y'all can continue listening and reading the articles. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I just started uh, my first article went up uh, the end of last week. And uh, yeah, I mean, definitely, man, you know, you guys, you guys give us the traction to be able to do this kind of thing. So um, I appreciate any sort of uh, support or even um, critiques or criticism. Uh, any of the fans have that, that anybody is uh, supporting the website and the shows and, and the articles and things like that. So check us out. Yeah, I mean, shout out like everybody that uh, continue to support. I mean, we definitely appreciate it. And a uh, shout out to you, Brett, and you, Clark, for joining the show and stepping That's in for. I appreciate it. Uh, stepping in for Bob and Phil. They should be back next week. They had some things to take care of this week, but y'all definitely did a great job. And I mean, we love the work that you guys do for the site and continue it. But uh, we thank you guys for listening to the ATL Sports HQ live podcast. Uh, the, it'll be all live on all streaming services by tomorrow night. So make sure to tune in if you didn't get the chance to listen to us fully. And we'll see you guys next week.